Part 2, Chapter 4, Section 64 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 2, History of the Public Life of Jesus. Chapter 4, Jesus as the Messiah. Section 64, The Divine Mission and Authority of Jesus, His Pre-Existence. The four evangelists are in unison as to the declaration of Jesus concerning his divine mission and authority. Like every prophet, he is sent by God, Matthew chapter 10 verse 40, John chapter 5 verse 23 and following, verse 56 and following, acts and speaks by the authority and under the immediate guidance of God, John chapter 5 verse 19 and following, and exclusively possesses an adequate knowledge of God, which it is his office to impart to men. Matthew chapter 11 verse 27, John chapter 3 verse 13. To him, as the Messiah, all power is given. Matthew chapter 11 verse 27. First, over the kingdom which he is appointed to found and to rule with all its members. John chapter 10 verse 29 chapter 17 verse 6 next over mankind in general john chapter 17 verse 2 and even external nature matthew chapter 28 verse 18 consequently should the interests of the messianic kingdom demand it power to effect a thorough revolution in the whole world at the future commencement of his reign jesus as messiah is authorized to awake the dead john chapter 5 verse 28 and to sit as a judge separating those worthy to partake of the heavenly kingdom from the unworthy matthew chapter 25 verse 31 and following john chapter 5 verses 22 and 29 offices which jewish opinion attributed to the messiah and which jesus once convinced of his messiahship, would necessarily transfer to himself. The evangelists are not equally unanimous on another point. According to the synoptical writers, Jesus claims, it is true, the highest human dignity and the most exalted relation with God for the present and future. But he never refers to an existence anterior to his earthly career, in the fourth gospel, on the contrary, we find several discourses of Jesus which contain the repeated assertion of his pre-existence. We grant that when Jesus describes himself as coming down from heaven, John chapter 3 verse 13, chapter 16 verse 28, the expression, taken alone, may be understood as a merely figurative intimation of his superhuman origin. It is more difficult, but perhaps admissible, to interpret, with the Socinian Krell, the declaration of Jesus, Before Abraham was, I am, John chapter 8, verse 58, as referring to a purely ideal existence in the predetermination of God, but scarcely possible to consider the prayer to the Father, John chapter 17, verse 5, to confirm the glory which Jesus had with him before the world was, 
as an entreaty for the communication of a glory predestined for jesus from eternity but the language of jesus john chapter six verse sixty two where he speaks of the son of man reascending where he was before is in its intrinsic meaning as well as in that which is reflected on it from other passages unequivocally significative of actual not merely ideal pre-existence it has been already conjectured that these expressions or at least the adaptation of them to a real pre-existence are derived not from jesus but from the author of the fourth gospel with whose opinions as propounded in his introduction they specifically agree for if the word was in the beginning with god jesus in whom it was made flesh might attribute to himself an existence before abraham and a participation of glory with the father before the foundation of the world nevertheless we are not warranted in adopting this view unless it can be shown that neither was the idea of the pre-existence of the messiah extent among the jews of palestine before the time of jesus nor is it probable that jesus attained such a notion independently of the ideas peculiar to his age and nation the latter's supposition that jesus spoke from his own memory of his pre-human and pre-mundane existence is liable to comparison with dangerous parallels in the history of pythagoras Aeneas and apollonius of tyana whose alleged reminiscences of individual states which they had experienced prior to their birth are now generally regarded either as subsequent fables or as enthusiastic self-delusions of those celebrated men for the other alternative that the idea in question was common to the jewish nation a presumption may be found in the description already quoted from daniel of the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven since the author possibly and at all events many readers imagined that personage to be a superhuman being dwelling beforehand with god like the angels but that every one who referred this passage to the messiah or that jesus in particular associated with it the notion of a pre-existence is not to be proved for if we exclude the representation of john jesus depicts his coming in the clouds of heaven not as if he had come as a visitant to earth from his home in heaven but according to matthew chapter twenty six verse sixty five compare with chapter twenty four verse twenty five as if he the earth-born after the completion of his earthly course would be received into heaven and from thence would return to establish his kingdom thus making the coming from heaven not necessarily include the idea of pre-existence we find in the proverbs in sirach and in the book of wisdom the idea of a personified and even hypostasized wisdom of god and in the psalms and prophets strongly marked personifications of the divine word and it is especially worthy of note that the later jews in their horror of anthropomorphism in the idea of the divine being 
attributed his speech, appearance, and immediate agency to the word, or the dwelling place of Jehovah, as may be seen in the venerable Targum of Onkelos. These expressions, at first mere paraphrases of the name of God, soon received the mystical signification of a veritable hypostasis, of a being at once distinct from and one with God. As most of the revelations and interpositions of God, whose organ this personified word was considered to be, were designed in favor of the Israelitish people, it was natural for them to assign to the manifestation, which was still awaited from him, and which was still to be the crowning benefit of Israel, the manifestation, namely, of the Messiah, a peculiar relation with the word or Shekinah. From this germ sprang the opinion that with the Messiah the Shekinah would appear, and that what was ascribed to the Shekinah pertained equally to the Messiah, an opinion not confined to the rabbins, but sanctioned by the Apostle Paul. According to it, the Messiah was, even in the wilderness, the invisible guide and benefactor of God's people. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 9. He was with our first parents in paradise. He was the agent in creation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He even existed before the creation, and prior to his incarnation in Jesus, was in a glorious fellowship with God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. As it is thus evident that, immediately after the time of Jesus, the idea of a pre-existence of the Messiah was incorporated in the higher Jewish theology, it is no far-fetched conjecture that the same idea was afloat when the mind of Jesus was maturing, and that in his conception of himself as the Messiah, this attribute was included. But whether Jesus were as deeply initiated in the speculations of the Jewish schools as Paul is yet a question, and as the author of the fourth gospel, versed in the Alexandrian doctrine of the Logos, stands alone in ascribing to Jesus the assertion of a pre-existence, we are unable to decide whether we are to put the dogma to the account of Jesus or of his biographer. End of section 64